Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to episode 124 of the Golf Unfiltered podcast. Thank you for downloading. I am your host, as always, Adam from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can follow me on Twitter at GolfUnfiltered. Send me an email, GolfUnfiltered at gmail.com. Go ahead and visit us on Instagram and Facebook as well. As I mentioned, this is the 124th episode, and today it's just myself once again, you and me, talking a little bit about some of the hot topics in golf. Three specific topics I want to get to in today's episode. The first talks a little bit more about equipment, which is something that, of course, readers to the site and listeners to the show know we talk a lot about, and that is a signing with the uh, the brand that's growing in popularity among certain demographics, which we'll get to, and that is PXG welcoming Ms. Paige Sporanic onto their stable as a brand ambassador. Obviously, uh, Paige went out to social media, as she uh, is very much well-known to do, and where she got her popularity, and made the announcement with a series of some pretty well-made marketing uh, advertisements, I guess, to make the announcement. And as you could probably guess, social media uh, began to share their opinions <laughs> on whether or not this was a good idea for the brand, and, and why would they be signing uh, an individual that does not currently play full-time on a professional golf tour. All of those uh, good opinions, I'm sure, that you could probably surmise came up. So, you know, I think what's uh, worth mentioning in this, first and foremost, as anyone knows, because we talk a lot about it, Bob Parsons is the uh, founder and uh, president of PXG Golf. Parsons Extreme Golf is what the acronym stands for, after all. Uh, Bob obviously started, uh, well, he, he also created GoDaddy, essentially, the uh, website hosting platform that actually I am a customer of. That's what Golf Unfiltered uh, lives on, their hosting service. And Bob has always been unapologetic about the demographic that he's catering to with PXG. The rich guys, <laughs> rich white guys. I'm not sure about that last modifier, but certainly based on the pricing and the price points that he uh, puts his clubs out there for. I mean, I think uh, his most recent driver, I believe it's the 0311, I don't know, they use a lot of different numbers in the naming of their clubs, retails for about $800. You can get a set of irons of PXG from PXG for about two or three grand. He's, he's come out many times and said that's exactly the type of demographic he wants to hit. He wants to be a luxury brand. He wants to be somewhat of a lifestyle brand, I could make the argument. 
So when you consider all the people that he has on his stable, which do not include only golfers, they also have another model on their stable, or in their stable, Anna Rawson, someone who I actually had the pleasure of meeting uh, when I was at Back Nine Network, because she was also affiliated with that brand back in the day. The signing of Paige Sporanic kind of makes sense. If you're catering to a certain demographic, and let's be honest, there's a very uh, obvious elephant in the room whenever you sign someone like like Paige or, or any other Instagram model or someone who's gotten a lot of fanfare through social media. She's an attractive person. The demographic that Mr. Parsons is catering to and, and focusing on are more than likely male. So you can kind of see the connection there. But more importantly, Paige has a huge social media following. Probably because, again, she's an attractive person. The fact that she was also a collegiate golfer and can actually play pretty well is just icing on the cake. So, Bob Parsons, not being stupid, (laughs) is a very intelligent businessman, went ahead reached out, scooped her up through the uh, the black and white PXG logo and branding on her, and now he's got a massive social media following looking at Paige Sporanic wearing his brand. Brings up the question, though, do big names like Paige or, or any other names on his stable or any public figure that plays a specific brand, do they actually move golf equipment because that's really the end of the day what the whole purpose is isn't it when you sign somebody of this stature in this space you want to hopefully boost sales to a degree bridgestone golf did the same by signing tiger woods to play their golf ball we'll talk a little bit more about tiger here in a minute and we can go down the line and pull up other examples rory mcelroy playing the TaylorMade driver, making the jump from Callaway to TaylorMade. But knowing what brand your favorite player or internet personality, as it were, knowing what brand they play, will that influence you in your purchase decision when you're in the market to buy a new golf club? I assumed that the answer would be probably no. I can honestly say that I have never purchased a piece of golf equipment because my favorite player was playing it. It just doesn't happen. It's not something that that crossed my mind. Now, I can't go and make the blanket statement and say that everyone follows that same mentality, of course. I mean, that would just be silly. So instead, making use of Twitter's awesome poll function, I ran a very unscientific survey, only for about two hours, I think is what I said it for, on Twitter, asking the question, has any pro golfer influenced your purchasing decision with golf equipment. I was pretty surprised by the uh, by the results. You can actually go out to my Twitter page now, at Golf Unfiltered, and still see the results for yourself. In those two hours, 94 people voted. Thank you to those of you who voted. 59% of them, more than half, said no. That a tour pro success with a particular brand has never influenced their purchasing decision. Now, granted, 41% said yes. 
I received a few replies to that saying, yeah, you know, I switched to this golf ball because so-and-so played it now. Or it was interesting that this other player switched from this brand driver to another. I wanted to see why. What did this person pick up on? Why did it fit him better now than what he was playing previously? It kind of begs the question, though, is, you know, again, this is only 94 people. It's an extremely small sample size. But if I were to send it out to, I don't know, 900 people, I would guess the result would be pretty similar. Roughly 60-40 in terms of people who don't base their purchasing decisions on how someone plays. Well, what does that tell brands? Well, I'm sure this is something that they're well aware of. I would hope that their marketing departments at the uh, the OEMs across, across this uh, world... Uh, are smart enough to do something like that. But then we see a lot of, you know, we see a lot of marketing around people signing with specific brands. And that brings us back to Paige Sporanic, someone who, you know, obviously seems like a very nice person. I've spoken about the fact that I support whatever she does, because let's face it, I mean, if you're going to be able to get ahead in this life or in this sport, for example, a sport that has been traditionally pretty tough on the ladies, let's just, you know, call it that. If you're going to get ahead in that and you can do so by any means necessary, then hell, good for you. We had Karin Hart on this show a while ago, probably a few months ago. Same deal. She said, hey, I'm going to be able to support my family. I'm going to be able to put food on my mouth if I'm able, on my mouth, in my mouth. (laughs) If I uh, continue to, you know, drive up my social media likes and posts and content and follower number. Why not? What, what's the harm in that? Now, I won't go down the rabbit hole of, you know, the opinion of, you know, whether or not people should be receiving sponsors exemptions. We talked to Kyle Thompson from the PGA Tour a couple weeks ago about the Stephen Curry situation. I still feel that's fine, but again, we'll leave that alone for now. It'll be interesting to see what needle or how much of the needle page, uh, the page signing pushes. Based on this poll, I'm going to assume probably not too much. I'm not going to run out and buy PXG clubs, one, because I can't afford them. <laughs> I am not in the demographic that Parsons is looking for. But I'm not going to go buy or even test out a club just because they signed Paige Sporanic. But best of luck to her. Why not? Makes sense for them, I think. If they're not hoping to push golf club sales, if they're just really trying to establish themselves as a brand and as a as a lifestyle brand more specifically, then great. Happens all the time. Think about all the Omega Watch commercials. Remember those annoying things that we saw repetitively over and over again? Roy McElroy was the star of those. Are people buying Omega watches because Rory McIlroy wears them? Probably not. But they want to establish, that brand wants to establish a specific, I don't know, appearance, image. And so they get some of the games, or at least society's, most recognizable names. That's how this all works. Another recognizable name in the news this week 
was the return once again, what is this, number seven, of Mr. Tiger Woods. The internet blew up a little bit when he posted a video of himself, a very short, I think it was like 11 second video, and that was only because it was in slow motion for half of it. A little video of him chipping, or hitting a pitch shot, which I assume was at his, his uh, in his backyard, the course that he built in his backyard. I'm hoping that was the case, because the man was wearing a sleeveless t-shirt, more dad gym shorts, and it just would not have been a pro- appropriate golf attire, <laughs> let's just put it that way, at a private course. But then again, I wear sweatpants to hit golf balls, so who cares? Apparently, Tiger's been cleared by his doctors to begin uh, hitting pitch shots. This is something that we've seen from him in the past. We like to, he, gives, he likes to give these updates, or at least his camp likes to give these updates on, oh, now he's putting. Oh, he's getting closer. He can hit chip shots. Oh, my God, let's, let's watch a video of him hitting driver. Hey, you know, I mean, great. I think it's great to see that he's doing better. Um, at least, you know, we only could see it through the lens, literally, of a smartphone and say, hey, okay, well, he's standing upright, he's able to hit and make contact with a chip shot, um, and he's not getting arrested from behind, you know, the wheel of a of an Audi or whatever it was, or a Mercedes that he was driving, you know? That image of him hitting a golf ball is the image that we all want of Tiger Woods, not the latter. So that's a that's a positive. I'm happy to see it. I think many of us are. There's no question that he's obviously got a lot of work to do, not only with his golf game, but also just in his personal life, hoping that he's getting that worked out. These types of updates are probably the ones we want to see. To a much lesser extent, and in a completely different context, but just to draw an analogy, Greg Norman, who has had his own health issues and certainly has been out of the game for a long time from a competitive standpoint... But he's got a very popular Instagram following. He's got some funny stuff that he posts out there. But he, too, what was it, a chainsaw accident? Where he almost basically severed his hand or his his arm? I don't know what happened there. I don't know what the hell he was doing. That guy's crazy. You've seen some of the videos. Come on. But he's been posting videos now. I mean, he looks fit. He's He's hitting driver now. He wants to get a little bit more into the game. I mean, that's... The game, him playing golf, and Tiger as well, was the reason that we all started following the guys anyway. Two of the best former world number ones in golf history. So, if we could see more of that type of footage of Tiger Woods, I I mean, I think I speak for everyone, or at least the most of us, when I say, yeah, let's, let's see more of that. At least that's somewhat newsworthy. Or at least the news that we want to read. Granted, he still hasn't played in an extremely long time. He hasn't played well in an even longer time. I do have on good authority, for those of you who are interested, those those uh, golf equipment nuts, I do have on good authority that Tiger is playing a new golf ball from Bridgestone. He is playing the Tour B XS. A little bit of a hard thing to say, I have to admit, Um that could, if you say it too quickly, the name of the golf ball can kind of blend into a very profane, <laughs> profane name. But I actually love the golf ball. My buddies at Bridgestone actually sent me um, a few, uh, a few pellets from their new uh, Tour B series, and I love it. I was always a huge fan of the uh, B330 RX. Um, but uh, oh, I just turned on Siri. 
Holy cow. Well, that's something you don't hear every day on the podcast. I mean, go, go to sleep, Siri. Go away. Anyway, I was always a very big fan <laughs> of the of the B330RX and the uh, the new br- uh, brand uh, the new models of golf balls. I'm all fluttered or flustered now. Uh, they're also extremely good, and so I'll have a review of those golf balls, or I do have a review of those golf balls on the site right now. Go ahead and check it out. There's four new golf balls from Bridgestone. Tiger's playing uh, the BXS. So the third thing I wanted to get to tonight. And uh, we've been talking a lot about this on the site, about custom club fitting. Um, I don't want to, you know, go back to the, this topic too much, but I do feel it's necessary to kind of share about my experience at a, uh, a new club fitter in the Chicagoland area, the uh, the newest location of True Spec Golf. Now. We're going to get these guys on the podcast in a future episode, but I did just want to talk a little bit about my experience. I did write a review about the experience on the website. It was fantastic. The Chicago location is in Highland Park, a good hour drive from uh, GUHQ, (laughs) but uh, it was totally worth it. My contact out there was a guy named Scott Anderson, played golf at the Ohio State University. I love the fact that he uh, he was able to point that out to me. <laughs> but no, he's a super nice guy. And to be fair, he also didn't say the Ohio State. So um, uh, He and uh, one of his staff, uh, Michael, were actually uh, my club fitters for the day. And uh, after meeting them in the lobby of their uh, upstairs studio, which uh, True Spec Golf Chicago is part of a bigger building that has a, I believe it was a sports performance facility, I think there was a Tesla dealership, which was incredible to see just the ridiculous cars <laughs> that that company comes up with. I actually saw, just to digress a moment here, I actually saw on my way out an ext- an entirely chrome exterior Tesla. It was the weirdest thing in the world. I should have took a picture. I don't know why I didn't. But anyway, uh, True Spec Golf Chicago is in an industrial park. It's part of a bigger building, yada, yada, yada. So anyway, we go up there really impressed with what they have in a relatively small space um, in relation to the rest of the building. They had two hitting bays, two fitting bays, I should say, one of which had all of these cameras around the ceiling, which, as Scott explained, was uh, their biomechanics bay, I guess, their biometrics bay. You can actually get a complete 3D rendering of your golf swing to learn a little bit more about why your golf ball is doing what it's doing, which I hadn't seen that in a uh, in a fitting studio before. So we go through the, uh, the process. We agreed that I was going to uh, get fit for a driver. I had mentioned before on this show that uh, I'd gone through a fitting for my driver before. I uh, was told that my current gamer was the best for me at that previous fitting, However, going into true spec, I actually learned a lot more about that club and actually why it wasn't, was not the best club for me. You can go ahead and read the review on the site to get some more details, but long and short of it was the golf club was too light. I had a 50-gram Diamana shaft in it in my Callaway Epic. It was too light for me. I was swinging uh, at a swing speed that just made the, the golf shaft too whippy which really contributed 
partially, I should say, because, I mean, let's be honest, I also make bad golf swings. Uh, it, the swing speed shaft correlation led or helps me hit the ball way too far left. So we went through a fitting. I realized that I was hitting up on the ball a little too much, generating a little too much backspin. And so I was actually in like the 35, uh, 3,500 range. Um, went down to a uh, Callaway uh, Sub-Zero, lower spinning head. Put in a uh, different shaft that you can read more about on the site that was actually designed specifically under uh, True Specs uh, guidance for them, which I thought was pretty cool. And got my spin rates down to about 2,000, a couple instances below that. And my, uh, my distance, even with the same ball speed in comparison to my gamer, increased by about 16 yards. I was blown away, completely blown away. But what was most impressive about my experience was the fact that Scott and Michael actually educated me on what was going on. So much so to the point of where I was able to recite back to them after I tested, I don't know, my 10th or 11th club head and shaft combination. I was actually able to diagnose my own metrics that were coming up on the screen. I found that to be extremely valuable. I actually walked out of that fitting not only with a a fresh new driver that is still on its way over, but also a better understanding of how the golf swing works, how my golf swing works. And also, you know a little bit about how I can correct my misses. So, if you're still on the fence about whether or not you want to get a custom club fitting, I got to say, I, I, don't, I don't know what more we can do. I don't know what more I can do. It, it is the most important thing that you can do for your game. I know it can be expensive. As I mentioned in the last episode, you can go pay for the fitting. I think uh, TrueSpec pays uh, or charges about 125 if I remember correct, for a driver fitting. And then the, you know, the prices fluctuate depending on what you want to get fit for. Pay that money. Go get the fit. If you get the, uh, the prescription is what TrueSpec calls it, but basically your specification sheet, the report that they're going to give you, take that and go find clubs that match that as, or as close to it as possible. Of course, the highest recommendation I can give is to just purchase direct from the fitter. I mean, that way you know what you're getting, right? So we did get one Twitter question in uh, for the uh, Ask Me Anything portion. (laughs) Uh, We're going to try to do that a little bit more often. I had a good time last week uh, answering your questions. And again, you can follow me on Twitter at Golf Unfiltered. This one comes in from our buddy uh, over from uh, Wilson Golf. Corey actually sends in. Best singular hole on the PGA Tour's current rotation? Go. Well, it's a good question. Um, obviously, there's a lot of great golf holes um, on the PGA Tour's rotation. I think what's really interesting is just the number of golf holes that obviously aren't excluded from this question because they're not on the, the rotation. I mean, you think of anything at St. Andrews. You think of you know anything at any major venue, for example, that doesn't occur every single year. There's just so many great golf holes out there, but nevertheless, there are a few of uh, a few on the current rotation that I really like. Um, God, there's just so many to choose from. And Corey, I was thinking of this when I saw the question come in, and you know, two of them, two of my favorites, are at Augusta. And obviously, since the Masters is played at Augusta every year, it's included in the rotation. I can't decide which one I like more, and they're both par fives. 
the par 5 second or the par 5 15th. Now, both of which are reachable by a majority of the players in the field. Both have yielded some of the most memorable shots that I've ever seen. On number two, I I think of, uh, you know, Louis Oosthuizen's Albatross a few years ago. It's just such a fun golf hole to watch because, I mean, having never even stepped foot in Augusta, Georgia, I know exactly how I would try to play that golf hole. (laughs) I'm not saying I could reach it in two, but if I could, I mean, you just lay that golf ball out to the left side of the green and hope that it catches the ridge and, and just kind of filters on down to that Sunday pin, which is exactly what Ustazen did when he jarred it for a two. And then, of course, on 15, over water, that second shot, which, you know, Tiger has, there's just so many shots that Tiger's hit on that golf hole that are memorable, as well as others, of course. But, man, they're just two great golf holes, and I I think if I had to choose between the two just because it comes later on in the round, it's got to be number 15. The whole championship could be made or broken, especially on Sunday on that hole. But in addition to that, you know, non-major, so maybe 15 at Augusta is probably my favorite golf hole to watch, considering the context. But uh, aside from that, there are a couple others. Obviously, Sawgrass, number 17, is uh, is fun to watch. Number 16 at the Waste Management in Phoenix is also really fun to watch. But, uh, you know, early on in the year, when everyone's just trying to get back into the swing of things, and just, you know, getting excited about professional golf again with some of the best names in the tournament. Number 18 at Kapalua. I mean, that's a great golf hole. It's like some obscene number, like 660 yards or whatever it is. Just the backdrop in Hawaii. You got that huge mountain, you know, across the ocean or whatever. You've seen people reach that into. It's just all downhill. It's, a, it's an amazing golf hole that I would love to at least watch or see in real life, perhaps one day play it. Who knows? Who knows what what could happen? But uh, Corey, thanks so much for the uh, for the question, listeners. Thank you again for downloading this episode of the podcast. Support the podcast. Support your local independent podcasts. <laughs> Go out to iTunes and leave us a five star review. Write us a review. Uh, I will be sure to. I, I read all of them, and I uh, I like to uh, hear a little feedback on what we do well, things that we can change for the better or improve on. I definitely take all of that uh, very seriously. So we will be back again uh, in a week, perhaps with a guest, perhaps solo again. Haven't decided yet, but uh, once again, thank you for uh, downloading. Until then, this is your buddy Adam signing off.